Away we go. Welcome, guys, to Gunday Brunch. I'm Caleb Giddings. And I am Keith Finch. And this is part two of the Keith and Caleb make everyone big mad by talking crap about guns that some people have some very strong feelings about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, last week's video, we talked about, we started doing an episode on the three most overrated guns of all time, which we had to cut short for time constraints. <clears throat> Keith's Wi-Fi sucks. Um, but other, you know, it got cut short. The comments have been lit. There's been one guy who's very mad that we disparaged his precious Garand and also- Oh no, oh no, not the Garand. And he also made some comments about the metallurgy of the M16s being better now than it was back in Nam. And then we had another guy who commented about how- Bro, 4150 chrome molly palladium steel is- 4150 chrome molly palladium steel and button rifling is button rifling and chrome lining is chrome lining. Like the original M16s sucked because the army fucked it up. That's why they sucked. The army broke it. And then when they unbroke it and made it back to more what the Air Force originally bought, then it was fine. It worked great. So I uh, replied, there's another guy who commented, I forget what it was, what his comment was, but my comment was, no, the reason the M16 sucked was because the army tried to intentionally sabotage it by issuing crappy ammo and no cleaning kits. Like, yeah. and that's, that's no cap. That actually they happened. They broke the ammo. They broke the gun. <laughs> yeah. So. That, yeah, uh, that's not, that's not anecdotal. Well, I threw it in the woods because it was bad. They actually did that. They put the wrong powder in the rounds and they didn't issue cleaning equipment for the first time in the history of ever for any weapon system. Like you had to maintain the Grand, you had to maintain the M1 carbine, you had to maintain the grease gun and the Thompson. There was no gun before that that you didn't clean and maintain. And they were just like, nah, the M16, you don't need to. Which the Air Force was like, no, wait, we you do. We have cleaning kits that we're issuing our guys with these, but okay. So uh many of you are very big mad about uh the thing, the things we the meanie McMeanerton things that we said about your favorite guns. And if you are big mad about that, uh, why don't you go ahead and like, share, and subscribe this video and the original video that hurt your feelings just to let people know what meanies we are. And as always, thank you to all of our wonderful sponsors for their support of the show. Uh, Since this is a part two, let's get straight into it and talk about what we think, the guns that we think are the most overrated gun of all time. And I'm going to let you go first because you had, you were, you were rolling last week before your wife. I was rolling last week. And I am actually, I'm, I'm very thankful to my internet, in fact, for taking a crap on us because I have slightly amended my answer after Ooh. thinking that. Now, the original answer still stands, and we'll get to that in a moment. But okay. after considering it, I have amended the answer, and it is now a two-parter. All right. So the most overrated firearm, in my opinion, are two firearms, in fact. And they are the SCAR-16, which is my favorite rifle of all time, and it is the most overrated, and the H&K-416. Oh, boy. The two leading service rifles I, I today, hear, I'm breaking the internet as we speak. I hear Every, the sound everyone's of, hurting, of everyone's dying. Burning my house down. 
Larry Vickers is coming to slit my throat right now as I disparage the A416. Um, no, I'm I'm going to go with the two most overrated uh, weapons right now are probably the HMK416 and the SCAR-16, which are the two leading service rifles of the 21st century. And the reason why they are both the two leading service rifles and the most overrated is they they like the Garand and other rifles and the AK. Uh, they are ascribed a mythical level of reliability above and beyond what the uh, M4A1 establishes and other service rifles establish. That just isn't there. Are they academically objectively better? Yes, they are better than the M4A1. They are better than the other rifles out there. But I don't know talking, if the SCAR, hold on, are, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know if the SCAR-16 is better than the m percentage point better. Yeah. Like uh, when we I, look at durability and reliability, we are looking at a single percentage point better. And then you might bring up like, oh, well, you know, look at, look at how durable the barrel is and look at what your parts change numbers are. And yes, that's a good thing. But when we look at cost of those parts and the replacement, it becomes a wash or the SCAR-16 loses or the H&K loses. Like the parts being way more expensive compensates completely for the uh, change in, in service life or it's a losing proposition. I so know while the these rifles better. are fantastic, they are also overrated because they are only so much better than like the M4A1 is. And now that said, the SCAR-16 is my favorite weapon of all time. I love it. I love that rifle. It's fantastic. All the money I've spent on it has been well spent. I've spent an absurd amount of money on my SCAR-16, and I will keep doing that because it is my favorite. But I acknowledge that it's overrated. Like, if you were to say, hey, man, I need you to equip 100 guys with 5.56 weapon systems of moderate, you know, skill and maintenance and, and caliber, they're, they're getting M4s. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I'm, you know, the, there, there's a reason why the Israeli military is ditching the Tavor for the M4. Wait, we already, we did that last episode. We did that. Episodes we, did, ago. No, we did that. Stop one. it. Stop it. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, I mean, there is a reason why British special operation units don't carry whatever their friggin' bullpup and they carry M4 variants instead. The, the one that was originally like Lee Enfield and then Lee Enfield couldn't actually build it. So they gave it to the Germans. Yeah, HK built it for them. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard the HK SA80 is that it's the SA80, right? Yeah, That's, yeah, I've heard the HK SA80 is pretty decent, but it's actually it, like it's just a bullpup uh, AR180. It's a bullpup BRN180. That's all it is. I, I want, a, I kind of want a BRN180 just for. I built one today. They're really nice. <laughs> so, all right. So, your contention, and I want to see, is that first yeah. off, you have two contentions. One, that the SCAR-16 and the HK-416 are marginally better than an M4A1. I disagree yep. that the SCAR-16 is marginally better than an M4A1 because the SCAR-16 sucks. Um, it does not suit. It sucks. <laughs> uh, but I will agree that the HK-416 is marginally better than an M4A1. But having you know been like up to my elbow in the guts of many, 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 many M4A1s, uh, and I've also can see NSNs and price lists and things like that for what parts for an M4 cost the mm -hmm. government versus parts for the M11. Is that what they're calling the HK416 in the Marines? Uh, there's the M27. Oh, M27, that's right, yeah. Yep, the so, 27 yeah. in the Marine Corps no, nomenclature. I, being 91F with the Army, also have access to those NSNs and parts, uh, parts lists and costs. 
And uh, so expensive. Yeah, while the government gets a deal on them, they are still expensive. Really, really expensive. All right. So basically, you're saying it's overrated because it's only so, it's only, you know, a fraction of a percentage point or a percentage point better, which doesn't justify the, co- the fact that it costs three to four times as much as the M4A1 just yep. to like buy the gun. Like if you're yep. a consumer and you're like, I want a uh, 5.56 rifle and you can go buy an M4, like a really good high quality M4 for like 800, well, before last year, you can mm-hmm. go buy, and prices are starting to come back down, but you could go buy a really good high quality M4 for like $800, $900. Uh, you could, uh, and in certain instances where stock is around, you can still touch that same gun for like 950, a thousand yeah. at the quote unquote inflated rates. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out IWI's Z15 here for that reason because they built it on that thing. They wanted to build like a cost-effective M4 with basically the best they could find for the best value they could find for that price. So that's and the gun that the Israeli that, military is replacing the Tavor with. I would doubt it if they wanted to go with the <laughs> with the M4, but I, <laughs> they would just... probably they would probably pick something like the Carmel, um, which I like calling the caramel because it sounds far more delicious mm-hmm. um the caramel. The, Car- the caramel is their version of the scar or the 416 we're not really sure kind of yes kind of no um fun fun looking gun but you you look at the z15 which is an entire entirely american made product like this was iwi us that pushed it because they were like look we want it we want a u.s branch we want a u.s domestic product in case um imports get really wonky and we have to cut off supply of other products we want one that's all made here and so they came up with the z15 so they just made a really nice consumer grade ar and it they work (laughs) they work well and so prior to that i probably would have said the best one for your dollars on the market was one of the fn offerings that were Mm -hmm. in the 1100 price range um and then you, obviously you can get, uh, you can start poking BCMs for around that. And then right above that's Daniel. And like any, anything in the thousand to $1,500 price range for an AR-15 is getting you a really nice rifle for the most part, unless you've spent money on goofy gimmicks like red anodizing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you translate that and then you look at the H&K uh, mr you know, 223 MR556 or the SCAR-16, the new ones with the non-reciprocating charging handle or the legacy ones, and you've just doubled your price tag. You've gone from a $1,400, $1,500 base rifle to a $3,000 base rifle. And what have you got to show for it? A very robust, reliable operating system, yes, but we're talking going from the 98th and change percentile of efficiency and bumping into the 99th. We've gone from, you know, a really bad one in 400 stoppage rate on the worst performing day that the M4 had to like a one in 900, one in 1100, even even further than that stoppage rate. And when you look at that, it's like, okay, I would have to blow through three combat loads to have a sort of repeatable problem with my M4, but I would have to blow through five combat loads to have a repeatable sort of observable problem with the H and K or the SCAR. So you're getting into levels of really, uh, 
it, the problem with all of this is everything works really well now. Mm-hmm. Like beyond, beyond a certain quality level, it all works really well. Just some of it is much more expensive for a little extra really well. And that's, that's why they're overrated. It's very much I love the uh, sort of the difference when you're looking at incremental price increase, incremental performance gains and the cost that you have to get. Cause like a, you know, we'll use the Glock 19 mm-hmm. as the perfect example, right? A Glock 19 is really, really good. A Wilson combat EDC X nine is a little bit better, but to mm-hmm. get that little bit, you have to put, spend a lot of money. It's just like when, you know, sports shooters are training, right? Like to get from like, I, you know, I bought my first gun to say like middle B class requires a lot of work, but it's a pretty aggressive ramp. Then to get from like B class to master class, the amount of time you have to invest to go a much shorter distance is higher because you're Mm -hmm. looking for these really incremental skill gains. All right. So I accept your fundamental premise that it is a cost-related thing. However, allow me to retort with my most overrated gun because my most overrated gun is also responsible for uh, the Butma 45. The most overrated gun of all time, in my opinion, is a gun that I dearly love and currently own two modern replicas of with plans on buying more because I dearly love this gun. The Colt Single Action Army is the most overrated fucking gun of all time. That's one. That's the first F word that we've put in this episode, guy who complained about the number of F words in the show. So there we go. <laughs> we're going to edit this later and find, like, I, I put one in there. I think it was a different one, though. I think I swore the F word. So here's the thing with the Colt SAA. Is that... There's so many, this gun is, this gun is overrated for a number of reasons, but mostly because people think of the Colt SAA as something that it never actually was. And they think of it as being ubiquitous to the American West when it never was. And they think of that one because of phenomenal marketing by Colt starting Mm. in the, this is interesting starting in the post-World War II era. So in the post-World War II era, Colt basically, one, Colt had like money, money back then. And they basically went on a marketing blitz to make sure that every, that was when, that was the golden age of Westerns was the post-World War II era. And Colt made sure that John Wayne always had a Colt. They made sure that American-made movies, the guys always had Colt SAAs, all right? They made sure that this became the image of the Western cowboy, of the Western gunfighter, and it became ubiquitous in movies about the West. You can't do a Western without dudes with Colt single action armies for, there, there was a time period where that was the gun. That was the only gun. But here's the thing about the Colt SAA and what people, or the Peacemaker, or the 1873 Colt. And that's an important thing. First off, 1873. It came out in 1873. It was not ubiquitous to the frontier. Do you know how much it cost when it came out? $12. 
do you know what the average weekly wage of an unskilled laborer was in around the 1870s? I went and I looked this up because this is how much I care about this. $9 a week. $12. You're telling me that somebody would go out and spend an entire week and a half's wages on a handgun? Get directly out of my face with that, all right? You can excuse yourself from the room with that line of reasoning. That's that, to that today, that today, let me, let me uh, look up today. Um, no, let's, let's the, use a minimum, let's use the preferred minimum wage of the United States to, to stand in for, quote unquote, an unskilled laborer. Let's so let's say $32,000 a year. Sure. $32,000 a year. Um, I, I could also do by median got, income. So 32,000. Yep. 32,000 divided by 52 is $615 a week, which eh, it's about Glock prices. All right. Yeah. So if you're making $32,000 and you got, and you buy a Glock, you have done the, but the Colt SAA is a week and a half pay. So you're talking about what? You're eight, talking $900. Right. So you're talking like a SIG 229 or SIG 226. Which are not nearly as prevalent as Glocks or something like that. Correct. Are there people that do that? Yes. Were there people in the old West that would have saved up their money to go out and buy these guns because it was a status symbol because of all of these things? Yes, absolutely. But it was not nearly as common as, as the, as, as, as Hollywood, as movies have led you to think. And as a matter of fact, two other, I have three other things, then I'll get off this. Jesse James didn't carry a Colt single A. He carried a Remington, he carried Remington's knockoff of the Colt SAA. When the Colt came out, it was already obsolete. And this is a really important thing that people gloss over. By the time the Colt single action army existed, it was obsolete. Smith and Wesson had already debuted their top break auto ejector revolver, which you press a lever, crank it down, poof, all the rounds go out. If you've never fired a Colt single action army, loading and unloading it is a monster pain in the dick. You have to flip the loading gate open, pull the hammer back to calf cock, rotate the cylinder, hit the ejector rod, rotate it, hit it, rotate it, hit it, rotate it, hit it, rotate it, hit it. And you couldn't actually load it to capacity. You had to load it five rounds because the firing pin would rest directly on a live round, which if it was jostled, could set the gun off. Smith didn't have this problem. Plus, by the time the Colt SAA came out, Double action revolvers already existed. The British had, it was the Beaumont Adams was a double action percussion revolver that the British had already invented. So you had this gun that achieved iconic, legendary status, kind of around a lot of bullshit. The most common guns outside, here, here's the thing. When we talk about it, plus Hollywood has done this whole thing by making like by making it seem like everybody in the old west carried handguns. Big fact, they did not. All right. The most the most common guns in the old west were single barrel side-by-side -side shotguns. The second most common guns in the old west were carbines and rifles of some type. All right. Every household had a rifle in it. You just you had a rifle that could because you had to eat and you had to protect your land. So you had a rifle. You probably didn't have a handgun because a handgun wasn't nearly as useful as a rifle. And you probably didn't have a Colt SAA if you were a farmer sitting out there. You might, if you were a Civil War veteran, have kept your revolver that you may have been issued if you were in a cavalry unit or something like that and had it converted to a cartridge revolver or something like that. Or hell, just kept it as black powder because gosh darn it, the newfangled cartridges, I don't trust them.
But mm-hmm. it was not the ubiquitous, and I've said ubiquitous like five times, so I'm going to give you guys another one in a second. Fuck, that's two. Uh, it was not this super common gun that everybody was rolling around with one on their hip like you've been led to believe. And the second reason why it's overrated is because it is directly responsible for the Butma 45 guys of today. And here's why. The U.S. Army was like, hey, we need a handgun that's better than the Colt's SAA because it's slow to reload. It has a lot of recoil and it's not like super great for the way that we're transitioning to fight. All right. We were starting to move away from mounted cavalry as a as sort of like the hammer of the army as it was in the late 1800s. And then we got into the Philippine insurrections and the standard issue uh, sidearm was a 38 long Colt revolver. I'm gonna hurt some people's feelings now. The reason that the Colt 45 19, that the 1911 exists is not because of the Philippine insurrection and Moro's, you know, soaking up six rounds of 38 and then, smashing someone's head in with a hatchet. That's not it. Because as we've discussed in other episodes, they were mostly shooting them with Craig Jorgensen's. We had a commenter say it's Jorgensen. So Jorgensen. Yeah. So they were mostly shooting them with Craig Jorgensen's. No. So what happened was cavalry generals had somehow gotten like into the ordinance board. And these guys were like, but my 45 because they loved their colts that they had carried on fucking horses, which the colt makes sense on a horse because you use a handgun. Anyway, they're like, well, we got to have something that's basically the colt, but let's just, you know, and then, because the original design for the 1911 was a 38 ACP, it wasn't a 45, but they were like, but my 45. And then hmm, that is- Where have we heard that before? <laughs> Wait a minute, did we- didn't we have this? Yeah, they didn't want 38s because they didn't they, they 45. Right. So anyway, the most overrated gun of all time is a gun that I dearly love, is a gun that is an icon of America and that you have been fooled about because it really wasn't that common and it cost a shitload of money in 1873 dollars. The Colt Single Action Army. Colt, I still love you. Please keep talking to me. Send me an anaconda. <laughs> so I trashed two companies I love whose rifles I love and whose one of those rifles I own and the other one I am going to get at some point. And you trashed a revolver that you love. Funny story. The guns we think are most overrated are ones we own and we yeah. really like. And genuinely love and are, and are like objectively... When you actually like, they are objectively all good guns because yes, the Colt. You know, I, I say that the Colt was obsolete when it was invented. Yes, however, structurally it was much stronger than the Smith and Wesson Schofield that broke at the top. It was much more durable than the double action revolvers of the era. It was a really good gun. It was really well built for the gun it was. Right. And the Scar and the 416 are really well built for the guns they are. Like objectively, again, objectively, they do beat the M4. The problem is by how much and for mm-hmm. what cost. And the, and with yours, it's uh, it was propaganda led, led us to believe that this was way cool than it was and while it's still cool it's not for all the reasons that everyone thinks it's cool so i am going to concede the most overrated to your selection 
Yes. Based on. <laughs> I've destroyed the gun I love. <laughs> the smoke and mirrors game that Colt played to be like, it so won good. the West. And it's like, nah, there weren't that many in the West, guys. Hi, okay. Cap. It, it, again, great gun, phenomenal gun. Uh, also, one last point: all of the ones that you see in like the spaghetti westerns were made by Pieta, not Colt. So you know, whatever. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> it's a, that's why we call them the. It's, it's the pasta revolver. It's the pasta revolver. See, this is why I'm gonna get the Beretta ninety two in the next Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> this is why I'm gonna. I can buy a bunch of like Pietas and Berties and still ride a Vespa just because. And then do this because I love a. I love a, the spaghetta. I love a. I love the spaghetta. Uh, and I also want to get. Um, I want to get one rechambered in thirty eight super, but that's a completely different. That's so hipster. And weird. Just because it's overrated, guys, doesn't mean it isn't fun. Right, and that's and I do want and I kind of want to hit hammer on this for a second. Yes, we think these guns are overrated, and I think a lot of it too is, at least for me, I think the fandom around some of these guns is super obnoxious. And like, we could do a whole nother episode on the most obnoxious gun fandoms. I'm looking at you, CZ fanboys. Um, but strange, yes, strange place, strange place. But <laughs> you could, I mean, strange place. Some of those forums. Oh, gun! I have okay. We have a little bit of time left to kill in this episode, but diehard fandoms around mechanical objects confuse me. And it's not because I don't like mechanical objects. I have a Vespa. I love it. I absolutely love it. Is it weird for me to love an Italian motorbike? Eh, maybe. That doesn't change the fact that I love it. Do I think that like, if you were doing an objective comparison of scooters, is it the best scooter on the market? No, Honda's way better, like more reliable, easier to fix all of these other things, but I love it. But I'm also not going to create a web forum about how it's the best thing in the world and then get into internet fights about it, which that, that's where I don't understand some of these people. I'm like, hey man, I'm really glad you like your CZ whatever or um yeah actually you know let's do that next week your shadow two your your anything in between your score like i have a i have a cz scorpion sitting over there i get you guys i like it it's really fun i put a goofy binary trigger in it why because i like to go fast and i like crime i mean what (laughs) wait are wait are binary triggers illegal yet have they no those wait a minute hold on it was only the bumpies they ban bump stocks, but binary triggers are fine. The thing that's way better at it than the bump stock. Those are Look, fine. I've seen, you know what? Never mind. ATF, the binary triggers are great and they're super legal and not at all like a machine gun. <laughs> it's super semi automatic. It is semi. Oh my Lord. Well, we're all going crazy. Um, all right, guys. But that is it. Like, again, please don't take any of this personally. Uh, I it, do. This enjoy- isn't a personal attack on any of you guys. No, it isn't. Again, part of the reason we picked what we picked, we, we own we these. Have them. We yeah. have them. <laughs> I have everything I listed. <laughs> I, I do not have. Uh, I have had uh, Kentucky rifles. I don't at this moment. But yeah. and I have had an M1 Garand. I don't at this moment. So my number three pick, I don't have your number three pick you don't have i never had a, I, i've never had an m14 uh my my most memorable m14 story is during a high power match uh 
I fell asleep on the firing line, like in the shooting jacket and all of that, like tucked into my M14. I was so tired. I just fell asleep. Uh, and then I was trying to clean one. And the reason I had to clean it is because it had decided to leave the projectile in the chamber. But when I went to clear it out, the projectile stayed in the chamber and the case came apart, dumping the contents of the case into the weapon. So did that color my opinion? Yes, yes, it did. All right, guys. So our three most overrated weapons of all time at number three, the M14. At number two, I'm drawing a blank. What did you, what did we, the AK-47. AK-47 won that one. And number one, the Colt Single Action Army and by proxy the 1911, but mostly the Colt Single Action Army. (laughs) (laughs) But the 45. All right, guys. That the spirit is of La- Larry Vickers can rest in peace. The HK416 didn't win. Wait, he's not dead. <laughs> I know, but he can probably astral project. Okay, good point. All right, guys, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Thank you, everyone, for like, sharing, subscribing, listening, downloading, uh, and all of those fun things. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Later.